Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with Tian Wong, entrepreneur, investor, serial entrepreneur, I should add, investor and founder of Connectpreneur. Welcome, Tian. Thanks for having me, Carl. So before we start out with our interview, Tian, I want to just remind our listeners who are tuning in for the first time that this, this is a, a podcast about business development. This is this is not a sales podcast. It's not uh, uh, you know how to grow a business podcast. It's how to how to develop relationships that are meaningful and that will lead to business down the road. It's a long term play, not a short term play. And I've watched Tien over the years. So Tien, you came? Did you were you born in the U.S. or you moved here? Yeah, I was born in New Jersey. My parents are both immigrants. Okay, your parents are immigrants. So you were an entrepreneur early on. And then, you know, most entrepreneurs remain relatively obscure. You're the opposite of that. <laughs> if you're from the DC metro area, mid-Atlantic region, you would know Tian Wong because he organizes these big events called the Connectpreneur events that, that get hundreds of people that come out and you have entrepreneurs that pitch. And, and so Tian, t- take us back to the beginning. You, you started, what was it called, Cybernauts? Oh, yeah. I started a company called CyberRep in the fall. CyberRep. Yeah. CyberRep, yeah. It was actually called Unitel at the time. I founded it in the fall of 98 and way back in the day. And um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old here. I started in fall of 91, 91. So uh, basically, it was three guys in a garage. We went into $50,000 of credit card debt. We uh, wound up creating a company to do outsourced customer service on behalf of large companies. And being here in Northern Virginia, uh, where we were headquartered, we had the advantage of a telecom boom. So we wound up doing all the customer service for all the major telecoms in Northern Virginia, and then eventually nationally. And we built the business up to 2,300 employees, about 80 million in revenue run rate over a 12 year period. Along the way, we did three rounds of private capital to help us grow. We bought two companies and we wound up exiting to a public company in 2003. Yeah, but you didn't head off to the beach like a lot of my friends. You, you, you then par- parlayed that into becoming an investor and doing other businesses and, and just talk about the evolution of your career. Right. So I was had the blinders on, as, as you know, Carl, working with hundreds if not thousands of startups yourself you know that building a business is a full-time occupation it's 24 7 nights and weekends no travel no vacations and it's all about you know getting the job done and building your company and that was me for 12 years so I had tunnel vision Um, you know I didn't have a chance to give back to the community I didn't really do much board work Uh, I was focused on my company and just building it So after I sold the business, I stayed engaged for another year and I was like, wow, there's a real world outside of my world. So I started diving in and uh, was invited to join a few boards. I know you and I have served on a couple boards together. That's how we met at uh, the ACG board and, um, and basically got involved more heavily in the community. So I did join a couple of angel investor groups. I started making investments on my own. Uh, became an LP in a number of uh, private equity and venture capital funds. And uh, I did that for maybe six, seven years. And I was having fun with it. And then I decided to, I, I missed sort of having control of a company. So I wound up buying a company which does cloud uh, service 
for federal government and then bought another company that's in the ed tech space, small companies. But, you know, we basically wanted to get back into sort of an operating mode where we could actually affect change as opposed to being a passive investor. And, you know, we still do make investments. But, um, you know, so I think I wanted a hotel to get back in into Brazil, that too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I diversified with some uh, international investments um, overseas, you know, invested in a company in Asia and uh, yes, a hotel property in Brazil and some real estate projects in, in Europe. Um, but really the focus has been on mostly tech enabled services and technology companies. And right now our core focus is on BPO, which is business process outsourcing, a customer experience, customer call centers. That's our experience. And we're looking to acquire a platform company in that space. Um, but, you know, you talked about Connectpreneur. The way we started Connectpreneur was it started as a way to promote the two companies I had mentioned earlier that we had acquired. So we basically took some marketing money and said, yeah, let's do a monthly a breakfast and lunch event. We'll bring in great speakers like Carl Grant, right? We'll get a dozen CEO friends or clients to come for breakfast. And then, you know, we'd rent out this restaurant and then we'd have lunch for a dozen or 15 people. And after doing it for about a year, we realized that the people were coming to really network with each other. And then somebody gave me the idea like 10 years ago, why don't you just do one big event and have everybody come together and, uh, and it'd be more efficient and do them quarterly instead of monthly. So that's what we did. And our first event had 140 people at the Tower Club. And I think the second event was like 160. And the third event, we had to move to the Marriott and Tyson's because we outgrew the Tower Club. Um, and that was 50, 53 events ago. So we're on our 54th event and uh, going into our 10th year now. Yeah, but so, you managed to turn this into a, a business as well. It's, it's not just a, a marketing event for your other business. You, you make money off of this. And right. It was an evolution. At first, it was a marketing. It was a cost center, all marketing. And it was to promote our two, two main companies and any other companies I was an investor in. So it was pretty synergistic in that way. And then it sort of as it grew over the years, we got more and more people. Then we started getting paying sponsors and then we got, we were charging for ticket sales. And so the thing just kind of mushroomed into its own. It's a small, small business, but it is a business. And uh, we do have re multiple revenue streams. Um, but I think it's still very, it's been great for me personally. I've gotten to meet so many people and it's been good for my personal brand and it's been good for, the companies that I'm involved in, I do try to promote companies that I've invested in or that I'm on the board of and, and kind of use that platform to, um, to, to sell to the community, you know, not selling products, but just kind of, you know, put it out there. We've got over, over 20,000 people have attended our events over the last 10 years. And we have a pretty sizable database. And with the pandemic, we had to pivot to doing only virtual events. So we started doing monthly virtual events and, our largest event was held on a Saturday about a month ago. We had 880 people, including several hundred from Asia on the call. It was a biotech event that we did. Oh. Yeah, that was the biggest one. But still, you know, it's expanded our reach and our network and our brand. So who knows where it goes, but um, we're having fun doing it. You know, my team is engaged and loving it and, I think as long as we're growing and having fun and serving the community, you know, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Let's talk a little bit about your personal brand, Tien. Um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs will found businesses, sell them, make money and re remain relatively obscure. You're far from obscure. Every, everybody 
in a you know 300 mile radius knows who you are uh, at least and beyond and uh and, and you do a lot of things to help promote the brand of Tian Wang. Uh, you, you're very active on social media. Uh, I've been with you at events where you're, you know, adding to your Instagram story constantly. Talk a little bit about how you do what you do and, and how it affects your business. Yeah, so it started as a hobby, kind of the social media thing. And I got involved in social a while ago and you know, started doing Facebook and LinkedIn and expanded into Instagram and Snapchat and so on. Uh, I had I have kids who are all grown now, but at the time they were younger. So I would always be very curious. My daughter got me into my youngest daughter got me into Twitter and Snapchat, for example, years and years ago. So but, you know, the younger generation um, kind of, and, and we have a lot of young interns that work with us and I, I, I really am a sponge with them because I just view it as an opportunity to learn from them and see where the future is. But I started it as a, um, more as a, I was tinkering with it as a hobby and then it sort of became a thing. And then I wound up, you know, trying to think that I could become a media figure of some kind, like an influencer, you know? So I actually hired a firm and spent like 18 months doing that and they sort of set me up in a way you know with respect to websites and uh, Facebook dedicated Facebook pages and social media accounts and while I do a lot of the stuff on the native app itself they were also helping a lot too and the really didn't have a like a end game purpose on it I just figured I want to influence a lot of game changers in my life you know I have several innings left and I, I really do want to have an impact on entrepreneur entrepreneurs and creative and innovative uh, sectors, because I think that's how this world is going to wind up growing, um, you know, through people who make, make a difference, right? So that's what I wanted to make a difference to the people who are making a difference. So that was my initial thought. But after uh, about three years ago, I stopped doing that. So now it's just sort of little drips and drabs here and there. But um, I think some of the effort that we did back then is you know, has some residual long tail effects. Yeah, <laughs> but you still, I think have, it's, you still yeah. have a good following and, and, you know, you haven't lost it. Right. I mean, you, you go out and, and if you put something out, a lot of people see it, right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Carl. So instead of doing, you know, weekly or even daily posts, we, we might do a post every two weeks or every month. And it's not even, and I don't really engage the community quote unquote, the way a, a true influencer would do it. Cause I don't have the time or energy to do it, but uh, but yes, you're right. We haven't lost any and we have, you know, plenty of people that enjoy. I've been mostly directing my efforts towards in terms of the public persona piece to Connectpreneur because it's now a global brand and, and it's not me, it's Connectpreneur. It's its own, has its own identity and its own social media handles. And I think that's the way I'd like it to be for now. And, you know, at some point we'll pass the torch to a younger generation or a next generation of people who will run it and take it to another level maybe. Um, yeah. But I thought that, you know, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned personal brand, Carl, because your personal brand is outstanding. It's amazing. In fact, um, you know, the way you've built it is a little different than the way I've built mine. But I think over time, the one thing we have in common is we both get involved in the community and we both really care. And we're very, very authentic about how we, help people and engage. And we have a give first mentality. I think that exactly. give first mentality is rarer than we think. And I think that people recognize that and it's unique. And I think also having a weird name like Tian Wong and being Chinese, it really makes you stand out more than, you know, than um, someone, if my name were Joe Smith, for example, 
you know, but I think, yeah, you're, you're super involved and you, you have a global and national brand yourself. And I think that a lot of it's because you're a giver. I mean, you've done some great things and, you know, I know people associate you with the prayer, prayer breakfast as well as some of the other wonderful things you're doing for the community, but um, it all, it's all additive and people, I think people notice that, you know, cause it's not, that, it's yeah. not, it's yeah, it's not a common thing, you know? So um, and I hope, you know, being down in Austin, you're still going to be involved with the prayer breakfast uh, up here in the region, the DC region. Yeah, well, it's going virtual <laughs> this year. It's going virtual this year, like everything else, uh, you know. So, if people are listening to this two years from now, uh, we're in the middle of the COVID shutdown that continues to go <laughs> on, and it's caused it's caused things to change, right? It's not a local event anymore. It's now a national event, perhaps international, as is Capital Call and other events that I work on. They they've gone from being local events to international events, and mm-hmm. it, you know it'll be interesting to see when people start getting back together again in in person, how much of this you know Zoom um, distribution continues on because it's really changed a lot of things. Yeah, I think things like the prayer breakfast will be a, an international phenomenon because it's just going to grow. And it's so inspiring to people that you're not going to want to, to take this to a local uh, again. You know, you'll you'll do live events, but I think you can also provide some inspirational, uh, you know, national or international type virtual uh, events because your speakers really touch. Uh, they touch everybody in the room. This year, Tian, we're going to be talking about reconciliation and forgiveness because um you know for those of you listening can remember back to 2020 uh we're a divided nation divided among so many different lines and uh and we just think we need to be an agent of healing so it'll it'll be an interesting discussion and we have some some not not your typical speakers this year it'll be a panel discussion very diverse group. Um, so anyways we're looking forward to so Tian you're launching a podcast tell us about your podcast. Yeah, so it's called The Monthly Blend, and it's two people. It's Anthony Millen, who's the founder of Next by Shulman Rogers, and he's also a general partner in the uh, Urban Us uh, venture capital firm. He and I are doing a podcast every month to basically highlight, I mean, the end goal of our podcast is to bring the DMV together. DMV, for those of you who don't know, is not the Department of Motor Vehicles. It's the <laughs> District, Maryland, and Virginia. So it's more of a parochial, regional podcast and you know we live in a a tri-state region where it's not always uh collaborative and the various parties whether they're governmental agencies or uh universities or um you know even entrepreneurs and and capital um they tend to be more siloed in their thinking and what anthony and i see is an opportunity to help bring the region together and to try to break down silos so we're doing a monthly video podcast. It's themonthlyblend.com. We are going to release episode one imminently. So thank you so much for the shout out, Carl. And um, yeah, we, we are, you know, we want to we wanna stimulate thinking and action in terms of how Maryland, Virginia and the District of Columbia can all work together to drive innovation jobs and create more energy than uh, we have been in the past because i think we have great resources in our region and we just need to figure out a way to uh, focus them in a more productive and effective way so that's sort of the purpose of the the podcast and we will be doing those monthly so thanks for the shout out you bet so tian last question um for the students listening got a number of college students that listen 
they listen to you and they're they're inspired by your story. What advice do you have for them to if they want to set out to have a career like yours? What what should they be doing now? What should they think about? Um, I have a few thoughts on that. I think number one is to you want to know yourself first. And I know uh, as a young person, you may not know yourself right away, but do explore, do some thinking, do lots of reflection, talk to mentors or people like Carl and try to get as much insight as you can be a sponge right now, but you want to learn to, to know yourself. And why is that important? It's because life is short. And if you wind up taking a career path or, um, you know, getting involved in something that you don't like, you're really wasting time, which is wasting part of your life and you don't want to do that. So I would say know yourself. And number two is um, your life partner is the most important decision you'll ever make ever. Yep. So make sure, and Carl and I both hit the jackpot. We both married up for sure. Gene would, uh, would, and Dev would agree on that. But I think your life partner is critical for a lot of reasons, but they will be critical to your personal family and societal success. And um, conversely, a bad partner uh, it could be disastrous. And um, so be very thoughtful about, um, you know, picking your life partner because uh, th- that's basically, you know, going to be the main, the main, the main factor of how you succeed in life. And um, I think those are two big things I would do from a career standpoint. I would just say, and I talk to a lot of MBA students and a lot of undergrads, and I tell these guys, you know, they all want to get into finance or VC or investment banking. And I, I'm like, listen, you guys got to learn how to sell. So learning how to sell is critical. And I don't mean just uh, selling a product, but you're going to have to sell ideas and you're going to have to sell yourself to your boss. You'll sell yourself to your spouse, your kids, you know, you'll be selling ideas all the rest of your life. So learn how to sell, learn how to get somebody to, um, to learn how to influence somebody to the point where they can uh, part with, you know, their money to buy your service or your solution or your idea. Um, and learning how to do that is, is a tremendous life skill. And the last thing I'll say is your network is your net worth. And I think that, you know, Carl, I was, we were talking before we started the podcast, but I, I'm so thrilled by Carl's podcast and I love listening to the episodes I have, but you know, um, your network is portable. It can never be taken away from you. It is your differentiator in a very, very competitive environment that's going to be happening over the next 20 to 50 years. And it's the one edge that you can have uh, to make yourself really valuable to your employer and to society. So um, always think about ways you can add value to people's lives and to help. And Carl has a, has a give first mentality. And I think that that is the reason why he's so successful. He cares and he gives first. And that's the key to networking is to give first and figure, you know, you'll get something back. Don't worry. The universe will take care of you in some way. Um, Maybe not right away, but it'll happen. So anyway, with that, I, I think that, you know, that's a lot for, for you guys to absorb, but um, yep. I love working with the younger generation and, and I wish you guys all very well. Tian Wong, great advice. Thank you so much. Serial entrepreneur, investor, and founder of Connectpreneur. Thank you, Tian. Thank you so much for having me, Carl. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to Brain Makers with Carl Grant. Brand.